Uh, welcome to episode 32 of Infinity License, everybody. We got I'm myself, Brian Pisano, here with co-host Lenny DeFranco and Culture Vulture, friend of the friend of the cast, person who works in a big time Hollywood industry. Cat Green is on the cast with us today to talk about Academy Awards. Cat, how you Hi. doing? I'm doing really well. Then, Super well. Okay, great. <laughs> Excellent. Kat, both of your names are words. Yeah. Comment. Um, it's really fun to say in Spanish. Gato Verde. Yeah. Gato. Oh, yeah. 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 Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, mm, that does sound like something you'd get at a hip, like New Williamsburg, like Nuvo Mexicano restaurant. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, like, fuck that place, but they're Gato Verde. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, uh, Kat, you are with us. Uh, here today because you are an aficionado <laughs> of the filmic consumption. <laughs> I do. I consume only films. Nice. Exclusively. Exclusively. <laughs> Even though you told me that you stayed home from Thanksgiving to watch The Sopranos, which was like that. I'm jealous. I did. I did do that. I made myself mac and cheese and yeah. I watched as many Soprano episodes as I could. What was the oh. was the highlight? The Sopranos. Did you watch anything else besides The Sopranos? No, I was literally rewatching only The Sopranos. <laughs> so I woke up, started watching The Sopranos, made myself some mac and cheese midday. You know, <laughs> <laughs> continued to watch more Sopranos, and then I went to sleep. Nice. And the next day, I saw my family. There you go. <laughs> there All you right. Go. There you go. That's uh, great. Okay, so you are so you're a big time film fan. I am. Uh, what is it that you do? <laughs> I work in post-production. So there's a million different facets of post-production. But what I do is uh, the least exciting part, which is I sell it. So there are talented people who do interesting things, and I sell their services. <laughs> <laughs> and and what, is, what, what kind of post stuff is it? So it's picture and sound. So if you... That's all you need, baby. Yeah. <laughs> we got a movie. Man, we're making <laughs> movies tonight. <laughs> so when somebody shoots a film, you have this camera and you go out into the world and you're picking up every ambient noise, every car passing, every... I mean, you guys know something about that. There are microphones here. Yeah. So. And you could probably just hear my dog dropping a bone <laughs> on the floor in the other room. Exactly. Brian chose to quell uh, Seamus by giving him the hardest, loudest bone in the arsenal, uh, which... <laughs> Now we're going to have to contract Cat to fix it. We could probably get away with that because it's really important that everything looks good and sounds good. That's yeah. true. Do you ever have to do any ADR stuff with like actors who can't read? Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Is it like Celebrity Jeopardy? I, I guarantee that that kind of thing happens. But do I have to be part of that? No. No. Mm-hmm. I did do... so. I can talk about this now because I don't work at this company anymore because it doesn't exist anymore. Oh, okay, but I okay. used to just do uh, post sound work at um, a really awesome shop that was in Midtown that was in the historic Brill building. And it was mm. it's it was great. It was a really great place to work. And sometimes when an actor didn't show up or they didn't want to hire someone, they would say, who has like a young female voice in the office? And they'd ask me to go down and do it. Oh. So there's like a weird episode of Blue Bloods where I'm doing heavy breathing for one of the actresses. (laughs) I'm serious. I'm completely serious. Was it it in one of the scenes with, um, what's his name, Donnie Wahlberg? Yeah, um, so somebody has a bomb strapped to them, and I'm. Was it Donnie Wahlberg? No, no, no. the girl. He like comes in, and I'm the one who's like, oh no. 
<laughs> Donnie saved you. Exactly. Uh, you you were Donnie's damsel in distress in audio version. It's true. Your heavy female breathing drew him like a mother bat. To I gotta sound. tell you, it is so hard. It is so <laughs> difficult to do things on time. And you are watching. I mean, if you've ever, do you know anything about ADR? No. So basically, they'll project the scene that you're voice acting in. And it's usually that their own, you know, image. And then you have like a two pop, like a beep beep. And then they start talking and then you sort of have to supplement yourself like in the rhythm of what's happening. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult. You wouldn't think so, but it's pretty hard. I believe it. Um, Okay. So, and, uh, well, the other thing I wanted to talk about though was, so I read this article this weekend about, um, uh, the visual effects industry and how they're like very overworked and underpaid and stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, do you have any, ins- I know you don't do your, your company doesn't do any visual effects like that, but, um, do you have any insight into that? Because the article ba- basically what, what the point of the commentary was, was why is it that all these huge blockbuster movies have really crappy looking special effects? Mm. And the reason that they posited was that so many shots in a movie, like 2000 shots per movie require, hard intensive visual effects and they just don't have the resources to do it they're getting undercut by all the like studios paying them and stuff and there's just very little uh resource to actually make it happen with and that's why they all end up kind of looking cartoonish i think that that's probably true i know not a ton about this and certainly it doesn't affect my particular you know post house but um i remember there was a a lot of controversy about the life of Pi when that first came out, oh, that yeah. Ang Lee film. And a huge problem that people had with it is that they had some contracted workers here, but there was also a million people, I think it was in India, who were working at a fraction of the cost yeah. and in any kind of industry when when that kind of double, I don't, don't want to say standard because that's not right, but to having both people who are being paid fairly and people who are not is obviously positive problem. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. also they, <laughs> there was a specific problem with that movie too, I think was that, um, the, uh, f- the, pr- the house that had done the effects, which won a spe- it won an Oscar. Um, but they were based, they went out of business two weeks before winning an Oscar because they were being paid so poorly, even the, the Americans and, and right. the guy, uh, used his Oscar speech to attempt to call attention to it. And the music drowned him out, and they just, it was, they never got out. And then there was a YouTube video that they made about it, a, like a, a documentary they put online called Life After Pi about the, the tribulations of this, this VFX house. And I didn't watch it, but um, <laughs> probably it, very compelling. Probably very most compelling. documentaries Isn't it, are. Yeah, I know documentaries <laughs> essentially boring propaganda called documentaries. <laughs> unless <laughs> unless it's Blackfin, and then it's extremely exciting. That's true. Propaganda or Blackfish? Yeah, I mean, or was that one? Blackfin, it Blackfish, Blackfish? Well, Black the fish. one about the Chamu. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about Tilikum. Tilikum, come on. Tilikum. Call him by his real name. I know. That's so hurtful. Is Tilikum still with us? <laughs> I actually think he's dead now. Okay. <laughs> he free well, into the ocean. Had he, been, had he been free, he would have been still with us, but he wasn't. <laughs> um, well, it's just funny to me what I was going to say about the mistreatment of whether it's studio, like visual studios or whatever. That It's funny also that the, t- the industries in America that have the best union representation are kind of like Hollywood and... Uh, major, league base, ma- major League Baseball and the <laughs> NFL. Uh, maybe police too. officers. And police officers. <laughs> yeah, that's a good they point. They have a brotherhood and they are 
amoral. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Terrifying mouthpiece. That one guy, that one guy that's always everywhere. Uh, Bo, Bo Deedle. Yeah. Yeah. Bo, Bo Deedle. We love Bo Deedle. Bo Deedle. <laughs> really? No, we, like, we ironically the, love Bo Deedle. One of the mayoral <laughs> candidates tried to hijack an airplane and take it, have him take it, him to Antarctica, and he was still not the scariest mayoral candidate because Bo Deedle was running. <laughs> That was just the scariest libertarian candidate. Um, but yeah, it's just funny to me that... so. But they're, they're now also wrestling with this. And now that we're dealing with... And I guess we can transition well into when you said that guy it, you tried to use his speech as a political platform. And we are rolling up... This is our preview episode to the Academy Awards. Oh my God, it's the Academy Awards. Woo. <laughs> you, you I actually hear. love them. I know. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> I'm saying it ironically. Lenny did, gave his little woo. Yeah. Lenny hates Can't, it. I can tell. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. But it, this I is a good it. place to start the conversation because <laughs> we wanted to. Me and Brian were we're both in agreement. Like, what is what is the good that comes to the world from award shows and and the Oscars? Um, and so we can, I guess, start off by talking about that. Like, what? Okay, so what what do you love? You're a movie lover, mm-hmm. right? The Oscars is a parade of celebrity and mediocrity. <laughs> okay. Where do, how do those two interests intersect? Well, I mean, I don't know. That that is that what you just no. said is not exactly to, accurate. To me, right? Okay. To, to reinforce <laughs> Lenny's point, to me, what the Academy Award seems to be is that it's like it. It's like if another industry got together and said we're all awesome, but if it was the that's every single industry does this. This yeah, is why but, I'm surprised that you are so surprised. But nobody <laughs> does it. Nobody does it in the way that Hollywood does it, and nobody does it in a way that everyone else watches it. So I yeah. guess they are the people that are experts and putting on a show. Exactly. So I guess that's why it is. It's like they're under- literally using the medium that they're yeah. all <laughs> celebrating to show it to everybody. But it's so. But here's the thing. It's a total spectacle, but that's what it's supposed to be about. Right. That is the draw of Hollywood. Is it analogous? Lenny disagrees, I think. But is it analogous to? I understand why people don't like the Super Bowl. I love the Super Bowl yeah. because of the pure spectacle of it, and but it's also a competition, right? And but in the Academy Awards, the competition seems to be either not not even the 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 movies. It seems to be the dresses that it's the celebs are wearing, yeah. or whatever they're or like. It's the spectacle about like. Hollywood culture and celebrity culture in general. Uh, it's about all of those things, yeah. though. And that depending on what you like best, you know, some people only watch those red carpet shows. That's people true. do not care necessarily who wins, but they want to make sure that the people they like are wearing what they like. You know, there's there's all those different aspects of it. I mean, to an extent, the Super Bowl works but you're not paying attention. Do you know what I mean? Like there, there are Oscar contenders all year. There are movies that come up that become discussion pieces for certain writers, certain websites, certain people like me who track that shit. Yeah. So, okay, so there's, there's a season you're saying. Exactly. Which is the year. So you can almost guarantee that there will be no Oscar worthy films that come out in February, for example, because it's right when it's over and no one's going to remember it by the end. It is when everything is released is perfectly timed to try and uh, have, you know, converge that moment where people are going to spend the most money, which is the summer, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, people are going to get the most critical, you know, 
Don't they like push up releases so that they like sneak it in right at the end of the year and then it gets nominated more likely? Definitely. Well, that like, that absolutely like, happens. That's what happened with The Post, didn't it? Like The Post snuck in because Steven Spielberg paused production on Ready Player One and, and oh, then man. went and made The Post because I think it was, they just had all the players lined up and it yeah. was a low, it wasn't a big production where they had to do a lot of special effects and that kind of stuff so they could film right. it pretty quickly and they're like, well, whatever, we can we can run this one out there and, and get it up against a... Uh, uh, other studios for an Academy Award. Do you want to hear something really depressing about the post? Oh yeah, I do. But, yes. The woman who wrote the screenplay for it, it she is a first time screenwriter. Like none of her stuff has ever been made before. And I went to high school with her. What? Which really? is rude as hell. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> that's that's just depressing for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh the guy who Pasek and Paul the composers, yeah. um, they just did La La Land, and they're nominated for Best Song for uh, The Greatest Showman, which is another movie that nobody ever saw, and I can't believe it's nominated for anything. That's the Hugh Jackman he one, right? He yeah. also went to high school with me. Oh, <laughs> God. And I'm like, this is, this is we bullshit. Are, we are at a, that age where it's like those of us that kind of ruined our 20s, like... Yeah. <laughs> or I wouldn't say wasted is the same thing as ruined. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say wasted. Okay, wasted is a more appropriate word. But those of us who wasted them kind of, you know, hanging out around New York City and not really doing anything. And then now all of a sudden the people that put the time in are paying dividends. You're like, oh, no, I should have cultivated <laughs> talent. Quick, throw throw a podcast together. <laughs> yeah. that, time to learn the piano. Yeah, I, know, right? I am so <laughs> thankful. Thank you, OPRF, for having generated no notably successful alumni i would hate to have been dealing with what you're dealing with right now Mm, it's pretty painful um yeah (laughs) thanks for your support yeah Uh, well you have the next diablo the serious diablo cody (laughs) in your midst Um, because she was a first time writer too for juno wasn't she and then that yeah yeah also ricky and the flash good movie i saw that on a plane uh, I was not even in a good mood when I saw it, and I was like, "Yeah, in a it better a mood." Oh, wh- Rick Springfield. Who yeah, Rick Springfield. Love Rick Springfield. I actually know a huge Jesse Rick Springfield. I know someone who my friend Mike read his autobiography. Really? Yes. I'm sure there are some gems in there. There probably are. Jesse's girl probably got him laid for like 40 years. It's probably still doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's actually a good. I wasn't planning to do this, but this is a good side category. Did anyone see any nominated films on a plane? Because I did. Ooh. Uh, uh no, I did not. Oh, we should have personal Oscars. Just yeah, I know. Of the, just of this of the movies that we have <laughs> each seen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did this movie. I and it leads into an anecdote. The movie I saw on a plane that was nominated was The Big Sick. Oh um, yeah, which I really liked, and I love Kumail Nanjiani, and I think he's great. The story um, of every flight for Brian, who is unfortunately afraid of flying. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I saw it. But then I have a funny story. So I teched a show at Union Hall on Saturday, and Mitra Johari was in the show, and she's in the movie. That movie. So it was like as a person I know, and then all of a sudden I was watching the movie, and she's only in a small part. But it's weird that I was watching the movie. Is wait? Is does she play his uh, potential? She wife. She's one of the suitors, one but like, but in a very brief. She's the one that is doing like a kind of boring. She's like, I like non bread and <laughs> garlic bread, and yeah, because the whole. If you didn't see the movie, it's about a Pakistani man whose mom is like kind of hounding him to get married to another Pakistani woman, um, and they do the matchmaking thing. Um, so she's in that, but it was just weird one of those things. I was kind of like in a haze on a flight, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I know that person, and then I I was talking to the guy in the booth at Union Hall, who's their like house tech. And I was like, 
hey man, oh yeah, that girl. She's like, oh yeah, I see that girl all the time. She's like, oh yeah, he was in the, she was in the big sick. And, I, and he goes, oh, I was, I was too. <laughs> and, and I was like, get the what? And he, cause the last scene they filmed at Union Hall and then you look in the corner, he's the guy in the booth. Like he's the little face in the booth. Like when they shoot out from Kumail's <laughs> perspective on stage and he's like, yeah, and look, and I was like, man, everyone, everyone is in that stupid movie. It's <laughs> uh, amazing. You don't hang out at Union Hall enough, I guess. No, I don't. Really not. You also could have been in Sleepwalk with me, which also has Union Hall. Content. That's true. Oh. I met my, Mike Birbiglia served me a beer at Union Hall once. That's my. Was he actually a bartender there? No, he was just. He was doing a show. I was there to see his show, and he just walked back behind the bar and was like, "Hey, man, you want a beer?" And I was like, "Yeah," and he just gave me a beer. So thanks, Mike. That's awesome. Thanks for Biggs. That's pretty um, cool. Cat of the. So back to the Academy Awards, though. Yes. What, what is your favorite? What is your favorite portion? Are you just? Are you legitimately interested in a pre- What pre- is gratifying about it? Or professional curiosity, or out of like? Uh, well, part of it is definitely. Yeah. It's always better to know what people care about right now, yeah. and. People can be a relative term, right? Because we all know that the biggest budget blockbustery makes the most money films are rarely nominated for anything. But the most critically acclaimed ones, they still tap into something, usually a more uh, progressive might be the wrong word, but it is usually a more or it's, an, it's awareness. <laughs> or they're like or yeah. art, artistic, at least, too. They have art, some exactly. artistic art integrity. And they're telling new stories, yeah. which is more exciting or should be more exciting. But I mean, my, I hear I hear that. But I also remember Michael Moore getting up in 2003 saying, my, this my is dad. a fictitious war. <laughs> We're makers of fiction, and this is a fictitious war. And everyone's starting to boo him because Hollywood fundamentally is a bunch of like carriage followers you know and like what counts as woke and like meaningful is mostly just what is in within a very narrow band of again self-congratulating awareness that's in, in a very generic sense well um, i think <laughs> i think you're talking about two different things and i think cat you're talking about the actual integrity of the films and like what the content that is in the film sure. not necessarily the award ceremony itself where people use it as a platform like leonardo DiCaprio did to talk about climate change or something mm-hmm. like that and this year it seems like it's going to be a like a confluence of issues because we're dealing with the whole me too movement and time's up and we're dealing with climate change still <laughs> climate change hasn't gone away since leonardo dicaprio <laughs> made it, that announcement true. they don't call um, it that anymore though do they they call it or do they just call it climate change they call it earth hot right <laughs> <laughs> the hotening of the earth that's how hollywood rebranded it <laughs> <laughs> you know climate change was actually originally a um, conservative rebrand of global warming. That's what I was. But it, I think it. I think that of. then it was embraced. I think it was kind of like one of these reappropriated terms that people were actually like, yeah, no, that actually is more accurate than global well, warming. Yeah, because global. Well, then I think the global warming or climate change scientists who believe in it, like ninety nine percent of them do, <laughs> embrace climate change because the global warming idea. When people say it's like, well, it snowed the other day, it's not global warming, and then it's like, well, actually, that you know, actually, th- you're an idiot. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> if it took like two seconds to read it, a, a very simple article, you'd figure out that this is not a. It's going to be a big not problem. how weather works, yeah. buddy, <laughs> or climate. Exactly. Um, but also, then the last thing is like also the gun violence and Parkland shooter issues. So it's like there's going to be huge. Yeah, it's like there's all these things that are just like cr- running through the door, and that a lot of Hollywood celebrities have a lot of. Uh, kind totally. of stake in. Yeah. So part of 
me is always surprised when people act so surprised about the activism of Hollywood, especially considering that that has been part of the legacy of Hollywood always. I mean, the blacklisting of like McCarthyism. Yeah. I, I mean, the <laughs> idea that like Hollywood Thanks, Ronald are Reagan. all like apathetic and they don't give a but shit. But the blacklisting was them participating in McCarthyism. Some of them. Some, well, Ronald, the Ronald Reagan uh, served like, tra- like being essentially yeah. a traitor to other people, to yeah. the cool communists in, in Hollywood. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. But my, my, I mean, my, my point is exactly that, that they're not that, they're, there's not that much integrity in their politics of Hollywood. Well, I think it depends on the person. I mean, that's the thing. Ultimately, this is, this is just a group of people that happen to be connected by their... Of rich people. Some Absolutely, of, <laughs> of super oh, fucking rich people, rich people. Yeah. really, really rich people. Um, but that's also part of why people are watching because that is all that America cares about. Like, that's show me the, the rich. RNC wisely was full of razzmatazz because all we care about <laughs> is glitz and glamour. Hey. Well, right, but we have you have the bleeding heart liberals, and you also have Clint Eastwood yelling yeah. out that chair. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not a- that there isn't a full range. It's that um, some people are smart enough to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> as, an, as an insider, do you know if Clint Eastwood is like <laughs> Joe Paternoing now? Like, is he actually directing movies, or is he just like you stand there? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. There's no way he has the the vim and vigor to actually I mean, be directing you, all these people. Do you know the the movie that's out that's his right it's now? The train one. Yeah. It's the train one. Yeah. The yeah. seven forty five to Paris yeah. or whatever it is. It's just the a train truth. one. The train one with the not actual, actors, yeah, but yeah. the actual people. Well, they require more direction. There was something off. Oh, wait, like, what's that? Because they're, they're not. Like, yeah. <laughs> 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 you could tell they're not attractive yeah. enough to yeah. be in movies. Yeah. Number one. Yeah. <laughs> number two. There's no way that could be good. There's no that way be, that could be good. They probably uh, have PTSD. Why would you make them relive that? I don't understand. <laughs> Maybe this is how they. They're like elephants. Well, they get is, over it by reliving it. It is the most. <laughs> it is the most conservative move to put a actual troop. In. Like, imagine if they actually put Chris Kyle in American Sniper. Like, if they just Do you know what they did put in? A fake baby. Tell me you've seen that. No. no. Did you guys ever watch American Sniper? No. Neither did I because it was <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. But the thing that you should know about it is that there are scenes where he is screaming and freaking out and he is holding what is supposed to be a real baby and they're pretending that you can't tell that that's a fake baby. <laughs> it's so fake that it's insane. <laughs> oh you're looking God. at it and you're like, I can't believe they thought that that looked like a real baby. He's holding a doll. They just they just couldn't trust Bradley Cooper with a baby. There it is. Probably <laughs> well, that would probably be pretty traumatic for a baby. Oh. They probably could have done the effect better, though. Uh, speaking of... Speaking, yeah, look, how how much, how much money was put behind American Sniper? A lot, I imagine. Also, if he can't be holding a baby and yelling, then like change the scene. You have a lot of control as a director. Yeah, I know. You have, oh, <laughs> you look know at all these cameras you have. And stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Film a baby crying off to the side. Right. That'd be really easy. Um, <laughs> another anecdote about my saga to getting here and watching some of these Academy Awards is that, okay, I blundered, guys, because I was home with my parents and my dad was like, hey, I heard of this Woody Harrelson movie. <laughs> And I was like, oh, yeah, I think that's nominated for an Academy Award. So that's great. This will check one off my list. Did he you watch cu- The Hunger Games? No. I watched, I watched the LBJ movie. Uh, oh. And it, you look, intended to watch 
I'm intended to watch three, three billboards, billboards in Ebbing, Missouri, which I did not see now. <laughs> but, it's very good. Yeah, I heard that record. was great. Let me tell you something about the LBJ movie. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> it was the guy who did, played John Kennedy was doing like the John Kennedy from Clone High. Like, <laughs> like or, uh, I do have Addison's disease. Like, uh, it was just like uh, the, car- the cartoonish, bad, yeah, Mayor Quimby style uh, Kennedy. And the you oh could see, God. and the, the, what, the American Sniper thing that made me think of this is that uh, you could see the fat suit on Woody Harrelson. <laughs> like you could see the line where they like oh, they made no. it. And so I watched, and it was like a two-hour movie. And I'm watching it, and it wasn't good. And it was like they they basically whitewashed how LBJ's. I mean, he did give us Medicaid and Medicare, so thank you very much, LBJ. Uh, but they made him seem like such a superhero and not like a total asshole like he was. Uh, and, sure. And have you ever seen that massive bust of him on? Is it Roosevelt Island? No. Have you guys gone there? Oh. It's insane. It's I actually get, really beautiful. This park, you got. You I have know. To go I know past where the, the park you're talking about. The very northern tip. Yeah, yeah and yeah, you I've have to go there, past yeah. the like the, the plague ruins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then there's this beautiful park. But if you go right down to the water and you turn around, there's a huge bust of LBJ. Elephant BJ. Elephant BJ. And you know he'd love to be in the East River of New York City. That guy who grew up in rural Texas. But yeah. So then. But then. So. I spent two hours watching it and I'm like like damn it this is I just didn't have the I didn't want to my dad really wanted to watch it so I didn't feel like letting him down so then <laughs> I wow talk be, more about that Brian exactly well that's <laughs> hey, that's for that's for therapy <laughs> I saved that one for therapy um, and then, then I was like, well, I have to watch the darkest hour now, which is also about a old ass politician who was like basically bounced out to the sidelines and then comes in and swoops in and makes a difference. So I was like, there are parallels, but the darkest hour was a lot better. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually kind of shocked that that, uh, was a thing because I'll tell you this, the crown did- Either of you watched The Crown? I didn't. I have not seen it, but I did want to see all that production value, so I'm meaning to. It's pretty amazing. I've heard it's good. And uh, John Lithgow just won... He's in the crown. Yeah, he plays Churchill in the crown, and he's amazing. And there was, I actually have resisted seeing that one because I can't imagine anyone else doing it better. But Gary Oldman is such a shapeshifter. That's true. He plays Sirius Black. Yeah, and he Uh, also Sid Vicious, and he also took Harrison Ford hostage in Air Force One. Wow, these are all true. Yeah. I I thought Darkest Hour oh, was great, and he's yeah. also in trouble because he may have <laughs> sexually harassed. No, <laughs> Oldman, <laughs> uh, you can't like anybody anymore. You, I know you, it's a it's a shame. Kill your idols. <laughs> Who would have known that someone named Old Man would have harassed women? Yeah, now or my, he like wasn't nice to his ex wife in a you know in a, a hitty way or yeah. something <laughs> in a violency kind of way. Exactly. Um, well, then I uh, and also. It kind of paired nicely to the the conspiracy theorists in my mind. I also only saw all the I saw all the bro nominations for her films. So mm. I saw Get Out, Darkest Hour, um, Dunkirk. Yeah. Uh, then I the one outlier I saw was Lady Bird, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, to that theme, that Lady trend. Bird is so wonderful. It was and horrifying. It was the best. I thought right? Lady Bird. Wa- I was like, I watched it. I cried. It was. The, I was Why like, did this you is think it was horrifying. Oh, because she is playing a senior in high school when I was a sophomore in high school, yes. which means that all the music is accurate, all the angst is accurate, all the clothes are accurate. It is painful yeah. to it, watch. Yeah. That, so when they, much unironic. I, the, the moment that hit Dave for Matthews me was band. when 
Yeah. Yeah, that, well, oh, yeah. We should do the song should be crashing to me, I think. <laughs> we should the other, and the other one that, that hit yeah. was when they're they're high and they're waiting for the burrito to microwave and the, and Snoop Dogg uh Snoop Dogg Baby by Real Big Fish comes on, which was a song that I loved in high school. So oh, like, yes. oh, d- damn, this got vortex it, real. It was like everything it was, about it, it was it, painful. They hit the setting. Like even I remember seeing I remember I think it was Matt Lauer, they had in the footage the Iraq war footage. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, I remember watching that. Like I, that was such a good it was perfect for people our age. Yeah. yeah lady. And it was just a great film. It was a, and it was I, made by a woman who is our age. I really hope Greta that Greta Gerwig, how old is she? She's, I want to say, 30, 31. Fuck. She's our age. Again. Well, it helps when your boyfriend is Noah Baumbach, but yeah, don't tell anyone. Why isn't that. any of us dating Noah? Oh, now I see that it definitely has like a Noah Baumbach yeah, oh, yeah, influence yeah. in the film. I didn't know that. But um, she also wrote. I think she wrote um, Francis Ha, didn't she? Like she's a, she was a big oh, creative behind. I it. had a hard time watching Francis yeah. Ha, but that's because my ex girlfriend recommended it to me, and then I was like mad watching it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I was primed. My best friend watched that, and she was like, "It is so bad, good." She's like, "You're gonna watch it, and you're gonna cringe super hard because you're gonna recognize all the worst parts of being young and 22 in the city." Yeah, yeah. and you're gonna want to look away. And bad at dancing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so bad at dancing. That that was the no frustrating. One's good at dancing. After I watched Lady Bird last night, uh, I was so excited. For a lot of reasons, it was a great movie, and it was one of the, it was the first movie in a while that I felt really engrossed for the reasons that Kat said about how like it was almost like oh my god this is just just hit the nostalgia button really hard. This is exactly like my high school experience. It was a Catholic school like I went to. Oh my god, <laughs> I was like I know all these things. Oh, the repression. <laughs> Their Catholic school seemed a lot nicer than mine. They were a lot meaner to me in Catholic school, but um, uh, but the thing that I was really excited about is that I was afraid that that film was nominated and might win out of kind of like, Oh, we just have to get the girl, like the girl directed and written one in. But I'm like, no, this is the best one. Like, I'm like, this is, I want the best one to win. Like I wanted to win both on merit and it's a woman who wrote it. And that both representation and merit, like it's of course yeah. and also that's what's so hard about being a woman uh-huh. right because you're because that's people's gut reaction well we we had to get it in there yeah it was the woman we had to nominate her you know i was she mad did at it. myself i was like i, I didn't <laughs> i was mad at myself because i didn't think i didn't want to think that but i was just like i really i was rooting for it to be good out of the yeah. gate and i was like and normally when that happens i'm disappointed but this is the first time that it, my expectations were well, uh, exceeded I yeah suppose. yeah she is the so the Oscar started in 1929. There have mm-hmm. only been five female nominated directors. Um, and the only one who's ever won was Catherine Bigelow for The Hurt Locker in 2009. <laughs> the war propaganda film. I mean, yeah. that that movie is tense. Yeah, it is. It's a good movie. Um, but also, like, think about it. What makes this particular film so interesting, for me anyway, is that it is a sensitive portrayal of a young woman mm-hmm. you know we're not talking about a woman doing a war movie yeah we're talking exactly. about something that's a little more i don't know gentle <laughs> i i love lady bird i thought it was i totally agree i felt it was very true in a lot of ways um i uh loved the caricature of the um the like hot guy yes. uh, who's like i'm really trying to not participate in the economy <laughs> right now <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah and then the and then the impressiveness that they that she reacts to it with was so i mean i remember those people in high school you know i, yeah. I don't i'm not sure I don't remember, 
but um, <laughs> <laughs> said that awfully quickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'll notice in this the attention deficit disorder podcast, we uh, quickly we speak quicker when we want people to gloss over. Like, Wait, what they say? <laughs> and then never mind. Not worth it. <laughs> but uh, by the way, uh, worth noting that uh, the Hurt Locker was cited on two episodes ago by a Afghan war veteran as the best movie about Afghanistan, even though it's not even about Afghanistan. So wow. it got vetted in that way. Yeah. Well, but my point is that do you think then that I guess in my thread, we're talking about the Me Too moment now, is that do you think that it will still get that kind of tight? Let's say it wins the best award will it just be like oh it's just because we're having the me too moment you know what i mean like i'm worried well, i'm now it's worried always about going that to be there's yeah. a, i mean you can't escape that right yeah. you just can't escape that but i mean i guess i'm, I'm gonna step slightly to the left mm-hmm. and just say that jordan peele is also the fifth black director uh, to yeah. be nominated in the same way that she is the fifth female nominated for wow. best director and no black director has ever won Wait, what? Get Out years? Get Out was not not better than the Lady Bird or I only saw like three of these movies. <laughs> the movies that are up for Best Picture are Call Me by Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Th- Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards. And uh, how many of those have you seen, Kat? I have seen Call Me by Your Name. I have not seen The Darkest Hour because I, have- I wouldn't play on my DVD. <laughs> um, I have not seen Dunkirk. That was the darkest time. <laughs> it was. Actually, you know what's kind of horrifying? I felt like my DVD player was reading my mind. Every time I was like, I don't really want to watch yeah. this, Just, it yeah. wouldn't play. So that happened with Dunkirk, <laughs> The Darkest Tower. Those are the ones. Dunkirk were... was fantastic. It was awesome. I, I love that movie. That movie. It's so funny. That movie in IMAX had oh. the best um, effects I've seen in film recently and it was because they weren't effects well the thing about dunkirk dunkirk was awesome and it had really good sound so i think somebody should you should go see it in the because uh, dolby atmos that's the best kind of way to hear it oh really yeah not <laughs> not everyone mixes an atmos but you can you can really hear the difference what is it called it's dolby atmos so it's a-t-m-o-s only some theaters play it and yeah. only some films uh like record to it's it. not an imax standard it's well, I maybe it is now, but it's it's like ultra, yeah, like high def, absolutely everywhere, three sixty. You're just in it. <laughs> I think that's what they did. I saw it at Alamo. I saw it at Alamo Draft House in the seventy millimeter version. Ooh. So and they it was so cool. They had like the sound of like the German dive bombers. It was like really intense. You felt like you were on the beach. But also the thing about Dunkirk, and I think there was collusion between Dunkirk and the makers of Darkest Hour because they're essentially both sides. There's an A plot and B plot to this movie. There's like the action Dunkirk oh, yeah. side, and then there's the side where. Like Dunkirk is brought up a lot in Darkest Hour because Churchill essentially just says, "Okay, we're gonna lose a regiment to save Dunkirk," and everyone else and Neville Chamberlain and everyone else is like, "You're crazy, man! You're a madman! <laughs> <laughs> like we're the smart ones who want to compromise with Hitler." <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but anyway, so, so my point is that I think that Dunkirk and Dunkirk and um, Darkest Hour should be disqualified because I have secretly I think <laughs> they they colluded to be like, okay. We'll throw our lots in and double our chances by making two movies about the same thing, but just right. different angles on it. Um, in but, a similar way, Call Me By Your Name and The Shape of Water are both about love, so they similar collusion taking place. Um, Phantom Thread, 
Have you I wanted to thread? see that. I like Paul I Thomas not. Anderson. Yeah. I okay. See that. Phantom yeah. Thread is has gotten way too little buzz for being a Paul Thomas Anderson and Daniel. Day. You know what they say? It's, it's his, his last film. movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't they always say that though? No. <laughs> I think. He, <laughs> no. 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 They don't. I think he he has a dissociative <laughs> disorder or something that like makes movie making exhausting for him. So he. He's like, I can't do it again. It's because he does method acting. It's because when he decides to be in a role, um, that's it. He is that person for the period of time that they're filming, which when you think back at some of his characters is a deeply disturbing prospect. Yeah. yeah. He had to, he, <laughs> he had to throw a kid down a well. Like, yeah. But he like, <laughs> for Bill the Butcher, yeah, yeah. he was like apparently threatening people or he was like acting really, you know, kind of scary on set. He was, he lived with the Mohicans or some, he lived in the woods at least. Uh, for last of the Mohicans, um, yeah, crazy. Let's get both. Okay, let's get Daniel Day Lewis back out of retirement, and then have him and Jim Carrey go hard on method acting thing, and then do. No, but the, you know what? The, I was actually, the only Daniel one who liked Day-Lewis. that. I saw that movie, right? Yeah, I saw it too. And I <laughs> wait I the documentary or the, or the, the documentary, the Jim and Andy I'm, movie. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it because we fully worked on this one. Okay, well, we'll but I hated it. it. Really? Thank you. I hated it too. <laughs> I, I liked it. it a lot, but I <laughs> thought it was the worst. Speaking of self-serving bullshit, it just that was like two hours of Jim Carrey smelling his own farts while some guy who was pretty bored off-screen having this conversation with him was like clapping through it. Yeah. He was just like, "Good job." I guess I'm just I'm such a Jim Carrey loyalist that I can't I, I can't not like Jim Carrey. It's just a thing. And it's it's only I understand why people didn't like it, but at the same time for me I I'm just uh, I am a, I like a loyal Jim Carrey. I, I do. Know. I like Jim Carrey, but my problem with that movie is that the idea the he he walked into I guess I was most offended <laughs> by the part where he walked into the lives of people whose family member died. Yeah. Right? What we're talking about is him walking up to the sister of Andy Kaufman and giving her a hug. And she's and he was like, she was getting emotional. It's like, yeah, no shit. Yeah. You're literally dressed exactly how her brother would dress. Yeah. And you're like, can you believe the emotion? <laughs> like what are you talking about yeah of course yeah. they're emotional yeah and he's like i'm healing them and i'm like right, whatever he also yeah and he claimed <laughs> to have way better insight than any of them right into andy kaufman which was very self-serving and wrong i mean yeah and and, and mostly it goes to show that exactly the point about daniel d lewis like method acting does not a great actor make Jared ask anyone who watched suicide squad and Jared Leto's like, I'm going to be Heath Ledger level into the Joker. It's like, dude, you still sucked. You know, yeah, okay. Daniel day Lewis is talented because he's a phenomenal actor. And the same thing goes for all those other method acting, all those other, um, Lee Strasberg got, you know, P- Pacino and all them. They're great actors on their own and they use it as a tool, but well, I think that's, the, but that would be my argument in favor of Jim and Andy where I think Daniel day Lewis and all those people you just mentioned are were baseline good stage actors probably originally and were traditional actors where Jim Carrey was a guy coming from comedy and became an actor via, like via sketch comedy and via stand-up comedy. So I think he wanted to because he saw such media and they talk about it in the film they see such uh, saw such like meteoric success so suddenly he kind of maybe it was a little bit of fart sniffing and getting into his own getting high off his own supply um, but like he like think about it, what mindset you'd be in if all of a sudden you just got validated in a year. He made the mask 
Ace Ventura and Truman Show all within like two years of each other. <laughs> like he, it's true. So I just think I think that would mess with his mind to the point of where he's like, I can do method acting to an extreme <laughs> point. Like we broke Jim Carrey's brain. That's why he's not around anymore. Like yeah. Like, well, like, I mean, also he's, some weird personal stuff. That's you know? true. Yeah. Okay. We so you guys want to try to make a call on Best Picture? Yeah. Um, so we've all seen all these movies except for uh, Phantom Thread. Again, the list is Call Me by Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird. Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards. Um, I guess, Kat, you are the most you, you have you have the most coverage here. What do you what's your what's your pick? Hmm. Which one did you like the most? So that one's that's tough, yep. right? Because too, they're they're yeah. all pretty different for a lot of reasons. Um, but of the ones I saw, I I really I thought that Three Billboards was pretty incredible. But I already knew that I was gonna like Martin McDonough's work. Because you know he did in Bruges, he did. He's he's a oh, playwright. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. He's just a he's just a really fantastic writer, and I think that ensemble cast is the strongest. Mm. Um, love Sam Rockwell. I can't believe he's not more famous. Um, he's like the right level of famous, though. Think yeah. about it, if you were that. He's like, I'm just really good, and I pick, I cherry pick these cool movies to be in, and then that you know people true. might recognize him on the street. They also might not in the way that they're like, oh my god, Sam Rockwell. They'll be like, cool, that that guy. Yeah, he, has, in my he has the respect of his peers and not that many other people bother him that you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I think that I think that in terms of total critical success, Phantom Thread is getting more love than any other. Is it a favorite? It I think that that is probably a favorite. That'd I would be fr- that'd be pretty funny if the one we didn't see. I know. <laughs> I know. I think I mean I I think the three billboards might win. Um, but also, you know, Shape of Water, unfortunately, has this weird cloud now surrounding yeah. it because no because uh, there is a person. I'm not sure if they're a playwright or if they're a short story author, but uh, somebody said that they've written that story already. And Guillermo del Toro was like, oh, a friend of mine Uh-oh. was the inspiration for this. And nobody's quite sure if it's because that person read this guy's other story, but right. it is remarkably similar. <laughs> I don't think that the shape of water will win. I think that Guillermo del Toro might get love for it. Yeah. And yeah. it's like best certainly visual, something like that or like, well, uh, he might win best director, but I do think that it's likely it will win for some kind of, of visuals because it's essentially a fairy tale. Yeah. You know, with a lot of fish sex. <laughs> Why haven't I seen Man this movie? Fish sex. <laughs> Sally Hawkins is super mute yeah. and also naked. That like entire movie. It's so. incredibly European. <laughs> I don't know. That one's uh, pretty I think good. that's... Uh, the, Lady Bird is good, but I would argue that it's just too niche. It's yeah. too small. It's yeah. the average Academy voter is too old, I think, mm. to appreciate it. Think? Same with Get Out, for that matter. Yeah. Well, interesting. Uh, do you think that... Um, she'll win for best actress though, or that's usually where they'll they'll run some kind of. How was her name no. pronounced? House. Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse Ronan. I never would have known that. I saw her on a late night show where she said Saoirse rhymes with inertia, and I will never forget. Yeah, there that's you go. Cool. I like her now. <laughs> and now all our listeners have that little that little trick. Exactly. Yeah. Um. She she's really fabulous, but I would almost guarantee that that is going to be Frances McDormand's. Okay. And you know what? She deserves it. Mm. She is one mean bitch. Really? In three billboards. It's <laughs> yeah. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. She really, she just like, I mean, she literally at one point goes to a high school 
and kicks two two little shits in the crotch. It's it's pretty funny. Maybe that is maybe <laughs> that is actually the defense squad that we need. We need the Francis McDormand defense squad to just, we just need her to enter high schools in We don't need to arm teachers, Donald. We need Francis McDormand to go to the high schools of America and just kick the shit out of people. It's perfect. Yeah. Allison Janney had a similar like in I Tanya, she was incredible in that. So she's almost certainly gonna win that. Oh, I wanted so, to yeah. see that one. I Tanya is so watchable. Yeah, the last one I didn't say is Call Me By Your Name, which I think is one of those perfect Academy movies. I watched it and it is gorgeous and it was also boring. (laughs) And I know that not a lot of people feel that way, but it's interesting because it's another year with, um, a gay coming of age story, but I think it's way less compelling than Moonlight. Mm. And I think that Army Hammer is like an animated Ken doll and not in a fun way. <laughs> yeah. It's a little hollow. It, I mean, and I didn't read the book. Maybe there's some deeply emotional, you know, yeah, thing happening. You, well, as, a, as an Academy Award fan, do you give credit for if it's a really good book and really good movie? Does that get bonus points, you think? or is it... For me, it does personally, but yeah. I don't vote. Yeah. <laughs> uh, lead actor, we got Timothy Chalamet. Daniel Day-Lewis, uh, Daniel Kaluuya from Get Out, Gary Oldman, and Denzel. Denzel's in... Oh, yes, yeah, he's for Roman J. Ezekiel, Ezekiel Esquire. Is, is, Israel. Israel? <laughs> Roman J. Yeah, for Roman J. Israel Esquire. I've, Israel. I've never heard of that movie. Well, I saw a commercial for it. I did too. <laughs> and it I looked... Like nonsense. I couldn't tell the plot at all. Yeah. It seemed like he was kind of a jerky lawyer. Yeah. And I was the, like, who's the watching Lincoln this? Lawyer. He, well, he has kind of, he has kind of um, Don King hair. Yeah. And, and that's just, that's and, all I got. All uh, I c- a little bit of a gap tooth. Yeah, exactly. So Don King. It just looked like, to me, all like all I could think of was like, is Denzel Washington Don King? No. Then, not, like, <laughs> then I'm not. A, yeah. yeah. Well, who's going to win it? Do you know who the, uh, who the lead is for these? Oh, let's see. Um, I think that it's probably coming down to Daniel Day-Lewis and Gary Oldman. Timothy Chalamet, this is like the first year he's really done yeah. anything. And he happens to be in two nominated films, which is amazing. And he does a, he is the most effective part of Call Me By Your Name. Mm-hmm. He It's a perfectly sensitive portrayal. He like, I mean, I have a hard time with his motivations, but also <laughs> he's uh, he's a really good little actor. Like you believe him. Uh, but I don't think that people are going to give him credit right off the bat. Not yeah. like those guys in the train movie. Not like those troops in the train movie who I <laughs> <laughs> judged based on the <laughs> commercial. Exactly. <laughs> Sam Rockwell is going to win for his, uh, Best Supporting Actor. We know that. Yeah. Uh, Allison Janney is going to win Supporting Actress. We know that. Director, we're we're unsure. It's Nolan for Dunkirk, Jordan Peele for Get Out, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, PTA meeting for Phantom Thread. and These are, these are heavy hitters. Definitely. Paul Thomas Anderson, oh, no matter what he makes, it, it wins something, right? Like the Master has, was pretty bad, wasn't it? I didn't see it. Oh, I like the, man. I like The Master. So uh, I thought The Master was great, but yeah. also it was disgusting, but yeah. that was the point. Yeah. Um, and if you are like me, and I know, I know Brian feels this way, and you love talking about Scientology, yes. then that movie is great. Yes. That movie is great. I know. <laughs> we might have to edit this out, but I also think Paul, Philip Seymour Hoffman was clean, up until, <laughs> and then he gets a a hot shot heroin hit, and you read that book. You read. We all read Going Clear. Yeah, I think the church is, and he's you a think public it was guy. A squirrel. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was a squirrel. I think he blew. Or, or, no, I think that he, the Church of Scientology, was pissed at that that he made that movie, and they were like, "Let's take out our guy who 
who took out our, who played our Jesus in a bad way. Well, what happened to Joaquin Phoenix? I mean, he's still alive. Well, he's part. He's an inside. It's inside job. He's like the LBJ of the scenario. Philip Seymour Hoffman is. Where would Brian be without yeah. the theories? I know. I can't. I can't. No, I can't it's, it's probably it's one. probably not. I just I just. Well, miss. no. I mean, it could be. How disrespectful! I miss. I loved. I saw Philip Seymour Hoffman on stage at the Public Theater, and it was one of the best performances. And Jack goes boating, and it was one of the best live plays that I've ever seen. No, he's sorry. Amazing. He was a treasure. I'm just mad. He I'm upset a, that he's, he's a really and I, big loss. And I, I mean, really, I really want to blame it on Scientology. And heroin. I would feel like, great about that. Yeah. Scientologists could have had something to do with opium. Probably somewhere. Sea Org or the, something. On the Sea Org. The Sea Org is just you know a massive I mean? like opium den. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. Uh, and then let's just do one random one, which is, it's not that random actually. It's best screenplay. Um, so I think you've seen all these, Gat. It's Lady Bird, Big Sick, Shape of Water, Get Out, Three Billboards. Mm-hmm. Um, you've actually seen a fair number of these, haven't you, Brian? I've what seen do you Get think? Out, Lady what Bird. What do you think the best scripting sick. is of them? Um, I thought get uh, I think both I think get out was original like that was the cool thing about get out and I think it should yeah. so that if we're talking about screenplay I don't know what the criteria you know is. what I, you know how I would discount that because it's based on his actual life like it's a definitely an interesting premise but he like his imagination I guess that doesn't well I'm saying original really for a Hollywood story that's, you, yeah, you, yeah, no, that's you know, a, yeah. You, my suggestion is stupid. And it was outside. <laughs> it was also outside the bounds. I would never go see. I never go see horror films. This one I made an effort to see. So it kind of like it was. That was cool. Big Sick was cool, but I didn't. I like. I love Kumail Nanjiani. I think he's great, and I enjoyed the movie. But it also was like, well, this is kind of just like a cool new spin on a rom com kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. That's exactly oh, really? why I loved it so much. Oh, interesting. Because it wasn't necessarily that it was like a well maybe it felt like the reinvention of like a totally dead Uh, (laughs) part of the industry like no one is making that movie anymore Uh, okay at all yeah and what's fun about especially the interviews with kumail nanjiani yeah is that he i was sure i was gonna trip over that yeah um is that he is a huge uh romantic comedy fan and he talks ad nauseum almost about how much he loves four weddings and a funeral which is a classic (laughs) Hugh Grant from the 90s and it's so funny because there's something there's something so lovingly portrayed about the way he tells that story that is such a perfect echo of like every single other romantic comedy that was halfway decent that came before it it's just so nice it's like a nice it's like an it's not an homage, but it is an homage. It totally of. is. It That's totally awesome. is. It was Especially a, since 90% of that love story is between him and her parents. And Ray Romano. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Kat, we got, I think you, I don't know if I, actually, maybe I'll just do, I'll, I'll do a prediction of what you would actually choose. <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. We got Lady Bird Big Sick. I think it's, you said Three Billboards was incredible, but it seemed like you were really moved by Lady Bird. You're obviously fetting Big Sick right now. Shape of Water, you just like the, the thin sex. Um, <laughs> we all. I think you would probably you would probably root for of the three of those Lady Bird for the screenplay. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely yeah. would. You're I right. Would. I mean, all of them are great. All of them are so great. But what's so nice about Lady Bird is well, what I was talking about earlier, like how often are young women's stories being told ever. Yeah. It's not it's not that much. It is a perfect moment for that. As much as we talked about this earlier that it could be one of those unfortunate things where somebody says it's because of me too or time's up that people appreciate it. I just don't think that's true. I think it's going to stand the test of time because it is a perfect encapsulation of like 
I, I mean, yeah. everyone can relate to that. Uh, I thought of when, if I had kids, like when they turned like 15 or whatever, I'd be like, I'd be like if you want to know what my high school experience was kind of like, <laughs> this movie would yeah, be a great. No, it, was, yeah. it was definitely a great time capsule. It was, a, it was a really well-made movie too. No, I think also it does a great job of showing what it's like to be poor. Yeah. And be that's, in high oh. school and how much that affects kids. That's what I wanted to say and not to take too much time. But the, what I loved about it, too, it had everything. It had like class issues, too, which is a big thing in like yeah. Catholic schools. And like especially if you live in, in like California or New York or where, where class, I mean, everywhere in America, it is the thing. But like I, I think the class struggle, which is so evident and becoming evident in a lot more movies now, is so great to see. And it was so great to see that, that time where it's like. The, the impending layoffs and somebody working double shifts and then simultaneously a war is like starting. Yeah. You right. know, and, and the, the, uh, those yeah. touches, those little flourishes in that movie, I also agree, made it like the whole thing with the dad who has cancer and there's a shot where she's walking downstairs and the dad is just sleeping in a chair and it's, it, it, it is, it completely worked on that level too. Yeah. And in, they kind of suggest that, you know, what's on screen, the drama on screen with her life seems like it would be nothing in a different context. And each one of those own stories could be its own story, its yeah. own drama. Yes. You know? Yeah. And they were woven together in a very, it was the, it was the first movie. Slice of life. Yeah. Lady Bird was in the first movie where it was like, of all these movies, transported me out of myself and was like, this is such, it's such an engaging movie. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. All right. So Lady Bird all the way. Um, let's uh, briefly close on the, um, this idea of the future of film. Do you want to introduce that? Oh yeah. So I mean, you, you're at the. I mean, in post production, I think this is kind of the vanguard of this. So this is perfect. But I think you know we're talking about now that like it was a big deal when Netflix started winning Golden Globes and Academy Awards, right? Like now that we have these new distribution services, whether it be Amazon or Netflix or whatever's going to come next, or Crackle. <laughs> was, I want Crackle to get an Academy Award. And like the. <laughs> Like or like, uh, I wished that uh, what's it called? What was the CISO had gotten to like some kind voodoo, of like voodoo, Walmart yeah. streaming service? Like uh, the Roku Awards. Fucking voodoo stole my money one time. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, anyway. you sh- no, I'm just saying you should really write them a letter. <laughs> yeah, I made a Give podcast. Give me my two dollars and fifty cents. Um, but yeah, so that, like studios are consolidating because the model for making money on movies doesn't make sense. Uh, it, like really, um, now the. Netflix and Amazon and other streaming services have kind of split the consumption market so much and fragmented it in such a way that we can't even really see the full picture of the movies that are out. Because we even said it, we couldn't think about like, unless you're in the industry, Mm -hmm. you can't see all these movies. And if you're a normal adult and, uh, and you don't work in the Hollywood industry, you uh, you got time in your life to cut it out for like fourteen to fifteen movies. Uh, and it's expensive. Yes, it's crazy expensive. And if you want to sit in an actual comfortable chair, it's even more expensive. Yeah. So it is I guess the the question is that it do the will the Academy Awards have kind of like a the same resident cultural future that they do right now, or is this maybe the high water mark of the Academy Award shows? I I do think that there is always going to be a place for this award show. And I think part of that is because this, this is true blue American bullshit, right? <laughs> this is what it is. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the richest. It's the, it's the most vacuous. It, but also it's incredibly compelling. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think there's going to be a time where somebody says, you know, I'd, I want to know about what teachers are doing because they're so valuable to us. And the joke is not that they're not valuable, but that no, you know, no one cares. Yeah, exactly. I mean, 
Yeah, I, you know, this kind of brings us full circle about the to the topic of the validity or the, the merits of award shows, and and I totally get it because people people keep predicting the end of the mass cult. You know that mm-hmm. like there used to be a time when we got our news from Walter Cronkite, and that time is over. Now we're all so fractured. There's no way that the culture comes together, and yet. One of the most interesting phenomenon uh, phenomena to come out of the Spotify uh, era is that people gravitate towards the the center of where things are. If you if Spotify put something on a playlist, people listen to it. Like people are not choosing to to float their own ways naturally, like we're you know debris in the water. People gravitate towards each other, and the thing that is compelling about watching an award show full of celebrity and glitz and all this stuff is that it's you're you're solving FOMO. You're l- looking at the center of a cultural zeitgeist, and that uh, gives you makes you feel like you're a part of it. And um, that zeitgeist could move, but as long as people are watching works of fiction that are you know an hour and a half long, like that will always be something that they want to kind of watch all get together. And also an opportunity to get Twitter likes. Mm. Hashtag Academy yeah. Awards in my right post. <laughs> but <laughs> I think, too, there's a part of it that is uh, everyone's watching these stories. Whether or not they're good stories, it doesn't matter. But um, part of the reason that we watch stories, uh, we read stories either way, is because we're looking for ourselves in characters. And then you have these people who embody those characters. And I think that there is something about people want to see themselves in them and people do see themselves in them. And like, you know, think of somebody like Emma Watson. You don't look at her and see Emma Watson. You see Hermione Granger and like, who doesn't want to be Hermione Granger? (laughs) You know, it it just, I think that there is a part of people feeling close to characters. Yeah. So I think you've actually sold me on the Academy Awards and actually watching these movies. I was, I went into this really, um, with a bad attitude. Like I do most things. <laughs> like most of my life, I felt I felt put upon. Yeah. I felt like this is dumb. I felt like the society at large is dumb. It's and a lot my of taste effort. Is, yeah, yeah. It's and a it's, lot of effort. But, but think about all like the weirdos who like Pokemon a ton. Like they memorize those characters and what they do true. and they put in the time. And this is a little bit more valid than Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a lot more. <laughs> um, and I just think that I think in previous years, maybe Academy Awards have had a bad field. Like a ba- and this and a lot of the movies I watched this year, I was like, oh, these are actually I enjoyed watching these. Films. Yeah. This is a legitimately good slate of movies. Yeah. That's true. Uh, and that's been an episode of The, uh, the License, uh, Infinity License. Cat Green, thank you so much for being on. Yeah, thank you. We'll, we, you will be on future episodes to tell us why we're wrong about movies again and again until we just start become huge film buffs. So take us out. Crash into me, Dave Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> I come into you.